Greetings, friends. It's October 26th, and this is the One Year Bible Tour Guide podcast, where we experience together a daily intake of God's Word with portions from both the Old and New Testaments and see how it all fits together as a unified revelation that informs us as to God's way of salvation and transforms us as we rely on the living Word of God, who is God's way of salvation. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Jesus said to the Bible readers of his day in John chapter 5, verse 39, You search the Scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. It is these that testify about me, and you are unwilling to come to me so that you may have life. So let's be willing to respond to the light we are being given through God's written Word and trust in the saving work of God's living Word, Jesus of Nazareth, the crucified, risen, glorified, reigning and returning King of Kings, Redeemer and Savior the way, the truth, and the life. Today we are on our 299th excursion as we make our way through the scriptures. We are reading the prophecies that Jeremiah has given to the nations. And today we start the 17th book of the New Testament, the third of what have been called Paul's pastoral epistles. We will be reading Paul's letter to Titus. So let's get started where we left off yesterday reading Jeremiah chapter 49, verse 23, and we will read through to the end of chapter 50. And I am reading from the English Standard Version. Jeremiah's Prophecy Regarding Damascus Jeremiah 49, verse 23, Concerning Damascus Hamath and Arpad are confounded, for they have heard bad news. They melt in fear. They are troubled like the sea that cannot be quiet. Damascus has become feeble. She turned to flee, and panic seized her. Anguish and sorrows have taken hold of her, as of a woman in labor. How is the famous city not forsaken, the city of my joy? Therefore her young men shall fall in her squares, and all her soldiers shall be destroyed in that day, declares the Lord of hosts. And I will kindle a fire in the wall of Damascus, and it shall devour the strongholds of Ben-Hadad. Judgment on Kedar and Hazor Concerning Kedar and the kingdoms of Hazor that Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon struck down. Thus says the Lord, Rise up, advance against Kedar, destroy the people of the east. Their tents and their flocks shall be taken, their curtains and all their goods. Their camels shall be led away from them, and men shall cry to them, Terror on every side. Flee, wander far away. Dwell in the depths, O inhabitants of Hazor, declares the Lord. For Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, has made a plan against you and formed a purpose against you. Rise up, advance against a nation at ease that dwells securely, declares the Lord, that has no gates or bars, that dwells alone. Their camels shall become plunder, their herds of livestock a spoil. I will scatter to every wind those who cut the corners of their hair, and I will bring their calamity from every side of them, declares the Lord. Hazor shall become a haunt of jackals, an everlasting waste. No man shall dwell there, no man shall sojourn in her. 
judgment on Elam. The word of the Lord that came to Jeremiah the prophet concerning Elam in the beginning of the reign of Zedekiah king of Judah. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold, I will break the bow of Elam, the mainstay of their might, and I will bring upon Elam the four winds from the four quarters of heaven, and I will scatter them to all those winds, and there shall be no nation to which those driven out of Elam shall not come. I will terrify Elam before their enemies and before those who seek their life. I will bring disaster upon them, my fierce anger, declares the Lord. I will send the sword after them until I have consumed them, and I will set my throne in Elam and destroy their king and officials, declares the Lord. But in the latter days I will restore the fortunes of Elam, declares the Lord. Chapter 50 Judgment on Babylon The word that the Lord spoke concerning Babylon, concerning the land of the Chaldeans, by Jeremiah the prophet. Declare among the nations, and proclaim. Set up a banner, and proclaim. Conceal it not, and say, Babylon is taken, Bel is put to shame, Merodach is dismayed, Her images are put to shame, Her idols are dismayed. For out of the north a nation has come up against her, which shall make her land a desolation, and none shall dwell in it. Both man and beast shall flee away. In those days and in that time, declares the Lord, the people of Israel and the people of Judah shall come together, weeping as they come, and they shall seek the Lord their God. They shall ask the way to Zion, with faces turned toward it, saying, Come, let us join ourselves to the Lord in an everlasting covenant that will never be forgotten. My people have been lost sheep. Their shepherds have led them astray, turning them away on the mountains. From mountain to hill they have gone. They have forgotten their fold. All who found them have devoured them. And their enemies have said, We are not guilty, for they have sinned against the Lord, their habitation of righteousness, the Lord, the hope of their fathers. Flee from the midst of Babylon, and go out of the land of the Chaldeans, and be as male goats before the flock. For behold, I am stirring up and bringing against Babylon a gathering of great nations from the north country, and they shall array themselves against her. From there she shall be taken. Their arrows are like a skilled warrior who does not return empty-handed. Chaldea shall be plundered. All who plunder her shall be sated, declares the Lord. Though you rejoice, though you exult, O plunderers of my heritage, though you frolic like a heifer in the pasture and neigh like stallions, your mother shall be utterly shamed, and she who bore you shall be disgraced. Behold, she shall be the last of the nations, a wilderness, a dry land, and a desert. Because of the wrath of the Lord she shall not be inhabited, but shall be an utter desolation." Everyone who passes by Babylon shall be appalled and hiss because of all her wounds. Set yourselves in array against Babylon all around. All you who bend the bow, shoot at her, spare no arrows, for she has sinned against the Lord. Raise a shout against her all around. She has surrendered. Her bulwarks have fallen. Her walls are thrown down. For this is the vengeance of the Lord. Take vengeance on her. Do to her as she has done. Cut off from Babylon the sower, 
and the one who handles the sickle in time of harvest. Because of the sword of the oppressor, everyone shall turn to his own people, and everyone shall flee to his own land. Israel is a hunted sheep driven away by lions. First the king of Assyria devoured him, and now at last Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon has gnawed his bones. Therefore thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I am bringing punishment on the king of Babylon and his land, as I punished the king of Assyria. I will restore Israel to his pasture, and he shall feed on Carmel and in Bashan, and his desire shall be satisfied on the hills of Ephraim and in Gilead. In those days and in that time, declares the Lord, iniquity shall be sought in Israel, and there shall be none, and sin in Judah, and none shall be found, for I will pardon those whom I leave as a remnant. Go up against the land of Marathaim, and against the inhabitants of Pekod. Kill and devote them to destruction, declares the Lord, and do all that I commanded you. The noise of battle is in the land, and great destruction. How the hammer of the whole earth is cut down and broken! How Babylon has become a horror among the nations! I set a snare for you, and you were taken, O Babylon, and you did not know it. You were found and caught, because you opposed the Lord." The Lord has opened his armory and brought out the weapons of his wrath, for the Lord God of hosts has a work to do in the land of the Chaldeans. Come against her from every quarter. Open her granaries. Pile her up like heaps of grain and devote her to destruction. Let nothing be left of her. Kill all her bulls. Let them go down to the slaughter. Woe to them, for their day has come, the time of their punishment. A voice they flee and escape from the land of Babylon to declare in Zion the vengeance of the Lord our God, vengeance for his temple. Summon archers against Babylon, all those who bend the bow, and camp around her, let no one escape. Repay her according to her deeds, do to her according to all that she has done, for she has proudly defied the Lord, the Holy One of Israel. Therefore her young men shall fall in her squares, and all her soldiers shall be destroyed on that day, declares the Lord. Behold, I am against you, O proud one, declares the Lord God of hosts, for your day has come, the time when I will punish you. The proud one shall stumble and fall, with none to raise him up, and I will kindle a fire in his cities, and it will devour all that is around him. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the people of Israel are oppressed, and the people of Judah with them. All who took them captive have held them fast. They refuse to let them go. Their Redeemer is strong. The Lord of hosts is his name. He will surely plead their cause. And he shall give rest to the earth, but unrest to the inhabitants of Babylon. A sword against the Chaldeans, declares the Lord, and against the inhabitants of Babylon, and against her officials and her wise men a sword against the diviners, that they may become fools, a sword against her warriors, that they may be destroyed, a sword against her horses, and against her chariots, and against all the foreign troops in her midst, that they may become women, a sword against all her treasures, that they may be plundered, a drought against her waters, that they may be dried up, for it is a land of images, 
and they are mad over idols. Therefore wild beasts shall dwell with hyenas in Babylon, and ostriches shall dwell in her. She shall never again have people, nor be inhabited for all generations. As when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah and their neighboring cities, declares the Lord, so no man shall dwell there, and no son of man shall sojourn in her. Behold, a people comes from the north, a mighty nation and many kings are stirring from the farthest parts of the earth. They lay hold of bow and spear. They are cruel and have no mercy. The sound of them is like the roaring of the sea. They ride on horses, arrayed as a man for battle. Against you, O daughter of Babylon. The king of Babylon heard the report of them, and his hands fell helpless. Anguish seized him, pain as of a woman in labor. Behold, like a lion coming up from the thicket of the Jordan against a perennial pasture, I will suddenly make them run away from her, and I will appoint over her whomever I choose. For who is like me? Who will summon me? What shepherd can stand before me? Therefore, hear the plan that the Lord has made against Babylon, and the purposes that he has formed against the land of the Chaldeans. Surely the little ones of their flock shall be dragged away, Surely their fold shall be appalled at their fate. At the sound of the capture of Babylon, the earth shall tremble, and her cry shall be heard among the nations. And this concludes our reading from today's portion from the Old Testament, from the prophecies of Jeremiah. Before Jeremiah was born, he was commissioned by God to prophesy to the nations, in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5. In chapter 46, the first of the prophecies to the surrounding heathen nations was recorded regarding Egypt. This was followed by prophecies about the fall of Philistia, Moab, Ammon, Edom, and now Syria, which Nebuchadnezzar would conquer in 605 B.C. Prophecies are given to Damascus in chapter 49, verses 23 to 27, Kedar, Hazor, chapter 49, verses 28 through 33, and Elam, in chapter 49, verses 34 through 39. This is a message of hope given to Elam. But it will come about in the last days that I will restore the fortunes of Elam, declares the Lord. Jeremiah 49, verse 39. Chapter 50 begins the final prophecy, the prophecy concerning Babylon. We read in this prophecy the sense of pity that the Lord has for His people, he also recognizes the failure of their leaders. My people have become a lost sheep. Their shepherds have led them astray. They have made them turn aside on the mountains. They have gone along from mountain to hill and have forgotten their resting place. Jeremiah chapter 50 verse 6. Do we remember the resting place that God has provided? Jesus said, Come unto me and I will give you rest. Matthew 11 verse 28. He told his disciples to abide in him and assured them that apart from him they could do nothing in John chapter 15 verse 5. Do not forget your resting place. The Babylonians, also known as the Chaldeans, were God's instrument in providing the needed chastisement for Judah. Yet the Babylonians would be conquered in 539 B.C. by the Medo-Persians in Daniel chapter 5 verse 30 and 31. That same night, Belshazzar the Chaldean king was slain. 
so Darius the Mede received the kingdom at about the age of 62. Daniel chapter 5, verses 30 and 31. Because of the heritage of Babylon, the city becomes a symbol of the spiritual forces at work in an anti-Christ world system of evil. The words in Jeremiah chapter 50, verse 8, remind us of exhortations in the New Testament to flee the influence of the Antichrist world system. We are told to love not the world in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. In Jeremiah chapter 50, verse 8, we read, Flee from the midst of Babylon and go out of the land of the Chaldeans. Be as male goats before the flock. In Revelation chapter 18, verse 4, Then I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you take part in her sins, lest you share in her plagues. This prophecy contains some sad summaries in the history of God's covenant people. In Jeremiah chapter 50, verse 17, we read, Israel is a scattered flock. The lions have driven them away. The first one who devoured him was the king of Assyria, and this last one, who has broken his bones, is Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. There is also this mind-boggling prophecy of grace. In Jeremiah chapter 50, verse 20, we read, In those days and at that time, declares the Lord, search will be made for the iniquity of Israel, but there will be none, and for the sins of Judah, but they will not be found, for I will pardon those whom I leave as a remnant. Jeremiah predicts a destruction of Babylon that will be complete, as complete as the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. Babylon has been destroyed and rebuilt numerous times. The Assyrian king Sennacherib thought he destroyed it forever in 689 B.C. Reconstruction began by his son, Esarhaddon, and soon it became an important city of the Assyrian Empire, until Babylon rebelled against the Assyrian rule in 626 B.C. Babylon became a separate empire and grew in strength. In 605 B.C., Nebuchadnezzar came to power and Babylon became the leading power in the world. Cyrus of Persia overthrew his grandfather, the king of Medea, and formed the Medo-Persian Empire. In 539 B.C., his army captured Babylon without a battle, and Darius the Mede was put in charge. Yet Babylon continued to exist after Cyrus conquered it. In 482 B.C., Persian king Xerxes put down a Babylonian rebellion and took away the idol of the Babylonian god Marduk. He also destroyed some of the city walls. When Alexander the Great of Greece defeated the Persians 150 years later, much of the city of Babylon was still in ruin, yet inhabited. After Alexander's death, Seleucus I gained control of Babylonia. He built a new city nearby on the Tigris River called Seleucia. He ordered that most of the inhabitants move from Babylon to the new city in 275 B.C. The Roman writer Strabo wrote, Seleucia at the present time has become larger than Babylon, whereas the greater part of Babylon is so deserted that one would not hesitate to say that the great city is a desert. In 1978, the Iraqi government under Saddam Hussein started to rebuild the ancient city. A postcard from the 1970s shows that it was to be a national jewel and home to Hussein's palace. During and after the Iraq War, it was taken over by occupying troops. God's word is true 
Therefore, aspects of the prophecy must be pointing to a future destruction of Babylon, such as what is described in the book of Revelation, chapter 18. Therefore, the desert creatures will live there along with the jackals. The ostriches also will live in it, and it will never again be inhabited or dwelt in from generation to generation. As when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah with its neighbors, declares the Lord, no man will live there, nor will any son of man reside in it. Jeremiah chapter 50, verses 39 and 40. In the book of Revelation, chapter 18, verse 10, we read, Woe, woe, the great city Babylon, the strong city, for in one hour your judgment has come. In Revelation, chapter 18, the Apostle John references Jeremiah's prophetic word when he describes the destruction of Babylon, informing us that in one hour she will be made desolate. That great city will be thrown down and shall be found no more at all. Revelation chapter 18, verse 21. Heaven's word and heaven's cause will be avenged. Revelation chapter 18, verse 20. Now let's move on and begin reading Paul's letter to Titus. This is a new stop on our Bible reading tour, the 17th book of the New Testament, Paul's epistle to Titus. Beginning with chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, a servant of God, and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness in hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began, and at the proper time manifested in his word through the preaching with which I have been entrusted by the command of God our Savior. To Titus, my true child in a common faith, grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Savior. This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife, and his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination, for an overseer, as God's steward, must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered, or a drunkard, or violent, or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught, so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. For there are many who are insubordinate, empty talkers, and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision party. They must be silenced, since they are upsetting whole families by teaching for shameful gain what they ought not to teach. One of the Cretans, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. Therefore rebuke them sharply, that they may be sound in the faith, not devoting themselves to Jewish myths and the commands of people who turn away from the truth. To the pure, all things are pure, but to the defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure, but both their minds and their consciences are defiled. They profess to know God, but they deny Him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. And this concludes our reading from the New Testament. 
Titus was one of the Apostle Paul's trusted co-workers. We read of Paul traveling with Titus to Jerusalem in Galatians chapter 2, verse 3, and to Crete in Titus chapter 1, verse 5. When Paul gives his last instruction to Timothy, which we read yesterday, he lets Timothy know that Titus has gone to Dalmatia in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10. Paul saw Titus as a reliable leader who could handle difficult situations. Paul leaves Titus in Crete to appoint elders, pastors, overseers. The words for elder, pastors, and overseers are used interchangeably to describe spirit-given leaders in the local church. Titus chapter 1 verse 5, Acts chapter 20 verse 28. God's plan is for plurality of elders to shepherd the local flock. In Titus chapter 1 verse 5, Paul commands Titus to appoint elders in the plural. Paul's salutation is full of gospel truth. Titus chapter 1 verses 1 through 4. The gospel is the truth of the finished work of Jesus Christ. God commanded Paul to preach it. The preaching of the word would affect a transformation in the lives of God's elect and bring forth the certain hope of eternal life. The gospel promise was established before the beginning of time and comes from a God who cannot lie in chapter 1 verse 2. Paul describes the necessary qualifications that Titus needs to look for in the men he is to appoint as elders in Crete. Notice that they are similar qualifications to what we read in 1 Timothy chapter 3. They all have to do with character rather than charisma. All these qualities are to be sought after in the lives of all believers and are signs consistent with spiritual maturity. The only characteristic that distinguishes elders from deacons would be the ability to teach encouraging the flock in sound doctrine and refuting those who oppose it. The elders must be able to handle confrontation and be able to rebuke and silence those who are deceiving others and causing damage to entire households. Titus chapter 1 verse 11. Paul is aware that there are many who profess the faith, yet do not possess the faith. What you believe will be evident in how you behave. Titus chapter 1 verse 16. They profess to know God, but by their deeds they deny Him, being detestable and disobedient and worthless for any good deed. Now let's move on to our next stop in our Bible reading tour today, to the book of Psalms, Psalm 97, verse 1, and we will read Psalm 98 to verse 9. The Lord reigns. Psalm 97. The Lord reigns. Let the earth rejoice. Let the many coastlands be glad. Clouds and thick darkness are all around him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Fire goes before him and burns up his adversaries all around. His lightnings light up the world. The earth sees and trembles. The mountains melt like wax before the Lord, before the Lord of all the earth. The heavens proclaim his righteousness and all the peoples see his glory. All worshippers of images are put to shame who make their boast in worthless idols. Worship him, all you gods. Zion hears and is glad, and the daughters of Judah rejoice because of your judgments, O Lord. For you, O Lord, are most high over all the earth. You are exalted far above all gods. O you who love the Lord, hate evil. He preserves the lives of his saints. He delivers them from the hand of the wicked. Light is sown for the righteous, 
and joy for the upright in heart. Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, and give thanks to His holy name. Psalm 98 Make a joyful noise to the Lord. O sing to the Lord a new song, for He has done marvelous things. His right hand and His holy arm have worked salvation for Him. The Lord has made known His salvation. He has revealed His righteousness in the sight of the nations. He has remembered His steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and the sound of melody, with trumpets and the sound of the horn. Make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. Let the sea roar and all that fills it, the world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills sing for joy together before the Lord. For He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. Let's take a few moments to reflect. The Lord is to be praised. Righteousness and justice are foundational to His kingdom. We give witness to our belonging to His kingdom by the way we live, seeking to live as His royal subjects and making the pursuit of His interests our life's priority. The Lord reigns. Let the earth rejoice. Let the many islands be glad. Clouds and thick darkness surround Him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of His throne. Psalm 97, verses 1 and 2. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, verse 33. Our natural hearts are given to idolatry. John Calvin wisely observed that the human heart is an idol-making factory. Any form of covetousness is idolatry. Colossians chapter 3, verse 5. Serving any goal higher than that of pleasing our king is also considered idolatry. We have our American idols and our celebrity idols. Our pursuits and sports can become idols. Our possessions, our families, our friends can become idols. So can our ministries. Anything that takes the place of God as the central concern in our lives becomes an idol. Let all those be ashamed who serve graven images, who boast themselves of idols. Worship Him, all you gods. Psalm 97, verse 7. For you are the Lord Most High over all the earth. You are exalted far above all gods. Psalm 97, verse 10 reads, Hate evil, you who love the Lord, who preserves the souls of His godly ones. He delivers them from the hand of the wicked. This psalm describes well what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit, as written in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 18 and 19. The grace of God teaches us to deny ungodliness, Psalm 97, verse 10. The Holy Spirit enlightens our understanding, in verse 11, and fills our hearts with a desire to speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, in verse 12. Psalm 98 is a fitting follow-up song. What a solid call to worship we have in verse 1. O sing to the Lord a new song, for He has done wonderful things. His right hand and His holy arm have gained the victory for Him. And then in verse 9 we read where this is all taking place. Before the Lord, for He is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. 
Now for our final stop in our Bible reading tour, we go to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 26, verses 13 through 16. The sluggard says, There is a lion in the road. There is a lion in the streets. As a door turns on its hinges, so does a sluggard on his bed. The sluggard buries his hand in the dish. It wears him out to bring it back to his mouth. The sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. From these proverbs we can learn that there are always excuses for not taking a risk to do the right thing. The lazy do not follow through. Now in the light of what we have just read, let's pray. O Lord God, You are King of the nations. You have crowned Your Son as Lord of all. Grant to the people repentance and faith, turning hearts from their idols to You, the author of this great plan of salvation. We pray that Your Holy Spirit would bring conviction of sin, the need for Your righteousness, and deliverance from their captivity to the Prince of this world, whose days are numbered. We ask for a spiritual awakening, and may it begin with us. Thank you for the ministry of the local church. We pray that you would strengthen its leaders and nourish the flock through the ministry of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Once again, we've covered a lot of territory and taken new ground, and God willing, we'll be with you tomorrow for our 300th day of journeying through the Bible. If you have any questions or comments, you can always write us at podcast at newlife.org. And if you'd like a written transcript of our commentary on each day's portion, you can subscribe at our website, newlife.org. So by the grace of God, keep on keeping on. Stand strong, stay true. Shalom. Shalom.